As a proud supporter of Parkinson's UK, the Focus on Why podcast is supporting this charity by including their Time for Can campaign in this episode. Can't work, can't walk, can't taste, can't talk, can't move, can't eat, can't remember, can't sleep, can't finish, feel ashamed, can't smile through the pain, can't stop the voices, can't make it stop. Parkinson's, the fastest growing neurological condition in the world. There is no cure. Yet we can fund, can fight, can discover, can unite, can transform, can live, can change, can give, can slow, can stop, can reverse, can cure. We can do, but we can't do it without you. Parkinson's UK. Together we can find a cure. Donate now at parkinsons.org.uk. Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question. Why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Today on the Focus on My podcast, I am joined by Kim Adele Platz. Kim Adele, welcome. Hi. How are you doing on this fine morning? I'm doing really, really well and really looking forward to chatting to you because it's always a delight. Well, the audience can't see, but you're looking incredibly glam this morning. So thank you for dressing up for our podcast. You look fabulous. <laughs> Bless you. Thank you very much. <laughs> so what is it you're currently doing at the moment, Kim Adele? So I currently uh, run my own business as a leadership coach. So I help other people to connect with their purpose, integrate with their values and evolve to their full potential. As leaders. As leaders, Yes. And what does a leader mean in your world? So a leader for me is somebody who um, inspires people to be the best that they can be, to really listen to them and not listen to um, interject, but listen to understand. I think everybody in the world has got a story and we all want to be heard. And I think the real leaders of the world are the people that go and gather those stories, that they go and seek to understand what the other person is looking for and provide that for them and in doing so they create a a culture where those people then want to work for them and and help them on their journey so what would a typical leader be that you help um so a typical leader that I help is somebody particularly right now somebody who's feeling a little bit overwhelmed you know we've known for years that it's lonely at the top, but it's certainly not quiet. In fact, it's never been less quiet, has it? We've got like, you know, emerging technology, advancing digitalization, the need to engage and enthuse our employees. And we've just thrown into the mix for, you know, for a laugh, a global pandemic. So the pressure for for leaders is immense. And having been there, so so I used to be um, CEO of of a big company, you recognize that it can be really tough because where do you go when you just want some space to cut through the noise? Because you can't share your concerns with the board. They might lose faith in you. You can't share your concerns with your direct reports because they're looking to you for direction. So, So where do you go? And we all need a sounding board. You know, that moment where Sometimes you just say it out loud and you know for yourself at the point you've said it out loud, you're like, that's ridiculous, Kim. Adele, what are you talking about? But when you were just saying it in your head, you made it real. You made it true. Um, So the people I work with are people who want somebody who's in their corner, on their side, helping them cut through the noise and, and finding the focus so that they can take the action because they know what needs to be done. I mean, I remember years ago, somebody saying, oh, you're a coach, so um, you clearly think you're better than everybody else. And I was like, no, the coach isn't better. Um, So if the coach was better, it would be their name they knew. But if you think about every top athlete, top politician, top business person, they've all got a coach. If the coach were that brilliant, we'd know their name. It's the fact that actually what they can do is see your blind spots. And we've all got blind spots. We've all got the things that we can't see and I remember going into many organizations and saying if I do something that irritates you do me a favor and tell me and because even if it's really really obvious to you I promise I don't know I'm doing it and if you don't tell me I'll continue to do it because it's my blind spot um 
because you've you've got to recognize that we have them and once we have somebody shine the light on them then we can work on those and, and get out of our own way I guess. And when did you get out of your own way and step down from being that CEO? Oh uh, so two years ago so I had uh, I had a an interesting journey so so I left school at um, 16 to be a hairdresser all I ever wanted to do and at 18 I set my own business up and I thought oh my god my life's I mean I, I, I've, I'm nailing this stuff <laughs> running my own business I'm doing hairdressing <clears throat> I was about to get married it felt like I'd, I'd kind of achieved everything I wanted to and then unfortunately when I was 23 I lost the feeling in my hands and legs um, and we didn't know what it was and it took months and lots of specialists until they found out I was allergic to perm lotion, which in the 80s was a bit of a problem because, you know, everyone wanted a perm. Um, and I couldn't even be there when anybody else was perming. So so all of a sudden, everything that I had, I needed to change. So I sold the business to, to a lady that still runs it today. And I went and got a 15 hour a week temporary contract as a cashier while I worked out what the hell to do next. Um, and then kind of just life happened I guess um so unfortunately my, my marriage dissolved I needed the job so I so I kept the job um and then just really focused on well I'll just work hard I'll just keep trying see what this this does and I moved around so I went from cashier to salesperson salesperson to manager and progressed quite quickly um but all the time I was convinced that someone was going to work out that I was just a hairdresser really that I hadn't got the qualifications that I was an imposter living uh, living in borrowed skin and I remember even when I got my first board position and thinking someone was going to turn around and go oh my god we put the hairdresser on the board get her off get her off this is awkward um and it never happened but but I believed it to be true and for me my my biggest turning point was becoming a mum so I became a mum late in life I was 43 um, and I had another health scare and went to write the letter uh, of all the things I wanted to tell my little girl, who is my absolute North Star. Um, and where do you start with that letter? I mean, where, how do you even put it into words? And I was so stuck and, and I, I was a little bit lost. And I remember going upstairs and going into her, into her room thinking, well, I'll look at her. That'll help. Clearly, well, not really. Um, and I remember going in and looking at her, and in that moment, she was there snoring away with a teddy under her arms, dreaming about a day. And it suddenly hit me that the voice we talk to ourselves becomes the voice we teach our children to talk to themselves. And my heart stopped because I'm not very nice. I mean, I'm everybody that meets me thinks I'm lovely because I'm kind to everybody else. But the way I speak to myself is literally evil. And I was like, oh my God, what if I teach her to do this to herself? What if inadvertently I pass this on so that she treats herself with the same disrespect, the same disregard um, that I've treated myself for so many years. And I realized I needed to go and do the work. I needed to go and address what was it in my past that I was carrying with me into my into my future that um, allowed me to to treat myself so unkindly. Um, so it's been I mean she's four this week, um, so it's been a it's been a three and a bit year journey. But I realised that you know children don't learn by what we say; they learn by what we do, and we leak how we're feeling all the time in what we do, in the words we use, in the, lang you know, in the language or in our actions. And therefore it's become my mission <laughs> to address that and to recognize what you're, what you're good for. It, and it's, it's funny, you know, for, uh, even just a year ago, if I'd have come on and, and somebody had been as kind as, as you was, were so lovely to me earlier and said, you're looking glamorous, I would have been there going, no, 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 I can't, I can't, can't possibly deal with that. Uh, one of my friends, Caroline, we calls it the Primark brush off. Um, so, you know, if somebody gives you um, such a lovely compliment, you're like this. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Fiver from fiver from Primark, <laughs> because you can't acknowledge that actually you deserve the compliment. 
Um, so now when somebody gives me a compliment and I can say thank you, I, I take that as a, you've really moved forward. You've developed yourself a little bit because you wouldn't have been able to do that before. I would have cringed at the fact that anyone had been so kind and immediately needed to um, to dismiss it. Uh, but I think I think a lot of us do that, don't we? We we get ourselves stuck in those places where we don't want people to think we're I used to joke that um it was a, the lick me I taste of chocolate people, which I don't know if anybody remembers. There was an old Lynx advert where it was he sprayed himself and he turned into chocolate. And I've worked with people who were like that, who strutted around the place, like, look at me. And now it's like so desperate to not be them, to not be more than I deserve to be that I ended up being less than I deserve to be um because I couldn't see the difference my my vantage point was was too too out of kilter and now I you know the people that the people that I work with the people that I meet you see that actually that's not unusual I think it's 70 percent of people end up at some point in their life facing some form of imposter syndrome and even Einstein had it so uh, he has a quote, which I'm rubbish. I always get this wrong, but it says something along the lines of the esteem within which my works are held, leave me feeling like an unlikely swindler. And you're like, oh my goodness, you're a genius. And <laughs> even you doubted yourself. So maybe it's okay if I doubt myself a little bit because we all do. But you described yourself or your self-talk as being evil. I mean, that's pretty full on. Yeah, it, if I'm honest, it was. I was horrendous. I said things to myself I would never, ever say to anybody else. Um, and, and even down to the point where um, when I started doing the self-work, one, one of the people that I was talking to had me stand in front of a mirror and come up with five things that I appreciated. And it was the most painful 35 minutes of my life because I couldn't think of one, not one. I stood there and I was like, I appreciate my friends. No, it's not about you. That's not about you. I need it to be about you. I appreciate my daughter. No, no, it needs to be about you. And I was like, um, and it's ridiculous. I, I, I look at it now and go, that is ridiculous that you couldn't think of anything. But I, I remember standing there um, feeling like such a loser because I was like, it shouldn't be this hard, Kim. You should be able to come up with something. Um I think I ended up with one of them. I mean, how pathetic is this? One of them was I've got really nice eyelashes. <laughs> it's like, how is that the thing you appreciate about yourself? Because I was like so far away from, from where I from where I needed to be. And in that moment, it was so raw. It was, it was so raw that you had to realize that actually I didn't actually like myself. And when you realize that, that's that's kind of tough. And then you think, well, the one person that's going to be with me every day of my life is me. So if I don't like myself, I need to learn to like myself or I need to change myself so that I can like who it is that I'm being. Because I'm going to be with me forever. <laughs> who wants to be with somebody they don't want to, they don't want to like? Um, but that was probably the that was probably my toughest my toughest moment. I mean, life loves to throw you a, a plot twist and it's thrown me a fair few, but that was probably my lowest moment because you had to acknowledge that actually you've attracted all of this. Everything that's gone wrong in your life, you attracted. And, you know, if you don't learn the lesson, life repeats it for you. <laughs> it's like, hello, you've not learned yet. <laughs> I'll just give it you again try harder um and so you you kind of have to have to look at that and I think you know I I now realize that everything in life is either a lesson a blessing or both and you just have to be open to that and even though at the time it may not feel like a lesson or a blessing it may feel like something that we'd rather watch on Netflix with a glass of wine which I know we've chatted about before um but but you've got to experience it to be able to grow from it um and, and you know, I, I've had some, I had some ridiculously melodramatic moments. I remember one particularly melodramatic moment where I convinced myself I didn't even know how to breathe. I was that broken. I was that sad. I was that upset that I didn't know how to breathe. And of course, I continued to breathe. 
I mean, because you don't stop, do you? Just because you, you're a little bit broken, you don't stop. And before you know it, you've moved on and, and things have kept going and, and you're still here, you're still going strong, you're still surviving. And you look back and you've moved so far from where you were, but at the time you can't see it. And, and therefore, I guess, I guess my biggest learn is all you can actually do is take the next step, the one that's visible to you. And because if you wait until the whole answer arrives, you'll never get there. So you've just got to look at what can I do right now? What step can I take and take it? Because in doing so, you change your vantage point and you can, you start to see things that you couldn't see from where you were. And it's interesting that this whole sort of thread came from you standing over your daughter, thinking about the letter that you were going to write for her. And then all of this sort of manifested. And I'm sure there are a lot of people out there listening to this right now going, oh, my God, I don't like myself. Oh, my God, I don't know what to say. I can't pay myself a compliment. And, you know, taking that next step of, of how to deal with it. Did you write that letter? I did. And in fact, I've, I've written a, a number of letters. Um, so I, I wrote the I wrote the first one, and I also wrote her a poem um, because I wanted it because I thought if I'm not here, I want her to know what she meant to me and the fact that she's never ever alone. Um, because I guess for, for me that was the piece was was knowing that knowing someone's always on your side, someone's always in your corner. Um, and at the start of my journey. Um, I wanted her to know that I was there and I was in her corner. Now what I want her to know is she's there and she's in her corner um, because she's going to be the person that's there for life. But we do have a, a little thing that, that we do, which is, you know, if you, if you ever need mummy, all you have to do is touch your heart because when you touch your heart, mummy touches her heart. So even if you can't see me, even if I'm not here, wherever I am in life, I will always be with you if you touch your heart. Um, because at some point, you know, I'm, I'm a 47-year-old. Um, at some point, she is going to be without me. And I need to, I now realize that actually she needs to be strong for herself. Um, and that's what I needed to do for myself. Um, so the letters have changed over the years. And I now write her one every year, the day before her birthday, about our year that we've had and about what I hope for her year ahead. Um, but it's always about the things in her that I want her to be proud of, her courage, her curiosity, her kindness, um, the way she tackles life. And I think you, I have learned so much more um, since being a mum than I, than I was before, because you can look at it. And if I said to you tomorrow, Amy, when you get up, you're going to have to learn how to walk or talk or eat or sing, you'd be overwhelmed. We'd all be overwhelmed. And yet the reality is, at our most vulnerable, we learned it. We did all of those things because our curiosity and our drive to try and be like everybody else was so great. And we'd not yet learned fear. So we fall over, we get back up. You know, we've seen how many times a child falls over when they're trying to walk, but it doesn't stop them, does it? They keep going. Um, so now I kind of look at life and, and say, you know, how would how would Scarlet tackle it? Um, so, so my... I guess my, my questions in, in kind of any situation are, um, what's the worst that can happen and can I live with it? Um, because if you can live with the worst that can happen, there's no real risk to you taking, taking the opportunity. And the other one was, if this was Scarlett, what would I say to her? Now, like any biased mother, I believe there's nothing in the world my little girl can't do. So I always say to her, as long as you're kind and you try, go for it. Because there's nothing, there's no downside. If you try it and it doesn't work, you've just found a way not to do it. Try it again, because next time you might find the way that does. And we know, you know, if we look at all the people that have been successful in the world, success comes straight after failure. So it's the, you never fail unless you stop trying. If you keep going and say, well, okay, that didn't work. But if I believe in it, if it's a goal that's important to me, if it's something that makes my soul sing, then I should keep going. I should keep giving it a try because I will find the way. Because um, look at all the amazing things that have been, that have already been created. Like the fact that we can fly, the fact that we've got the internet, the fact that we can now connect with anybody around the world. Um, 
without leaving our home. All of these things are because people had the guts to keep trying. So who knows what we're going to achieve? Well, I, I totally agree with you. And, and I, I love the, the whole analogy of using the child falling down. And, and, and also, you know, as a parent, you know, we're encouraging them. We're encouraging them just to keep going. To, and, and we often forget that sort of feeling of, of it to fail to, to succeed and fail to succeed. And, it, you know, it's, it's Mandela said it, you know, it doesn't matter how many times you fall down, just get yourself back up again. And, and seeing, again, how important the voice that we have is not just to our children, but to ourselves and to others. Can you describe how it felt finding that voice eventually? Oh my goodness, yeah, uh, it was, it was literally breathtaking to, to kind of get to that stage where having disliked yourself for, for so many years and attracted really awful situations because of your dislike, because you, because you almost expected those things to happen to you because you were so awful. Um, to, to then suddenly find that actually you're not that awful. You are, you are a kind human being. You, you know, you, you, when you look at how your friends would describe you and, and see yourself in, in their light, I felt, I felt on the one hand, really ashamed of myself that I had treated myself so badly for so long, but then equally really pleased that I now met the new me, that I could acknowledge that actually I, I was kind. And, and I think for me, there was, there was that element that says, we've all got an inner child, haven't we? And the beauty for me is my inner child is currently outside of me running around aged four because <laughs> she looks the spitting image, poor soul, um, of me. Uh, and, and therefore we looked at it and, and I ended up um, getting a picture and it's actually on the wall here um, of me aged four um, because that was the first memory that I had got where I started to create the picture that I wasn't good enough, that I wasn't worthy, that I wasn't lovable, that I was um, not a nice person. Um, and I have that, I have that picture there now so that I can apologise to her and say, you were lovable, you were enough, you were good enough, uh, and I'm sorry I wasn't there for you. Um, but I need to be there for you now, because if not, my inner critic is my, little, is my inner child. Um, and what they do is they try and make sure that you don't put yourself in a place where you're going to be unloved, where you're going to be found lacking. But what that means is they hold you back from where you're supposed to go. Um, and so what I now need to do is say to her, it's okay, I've got you. I've got you and we're going to be fine because we can do this. And if we do this and, and it doesn't work, we'll still be fine. It's not going to define who we are. Um, and that's been such an amazing change. And it, it was that really awful moment where I, I, thought for, I thought for years that if I liked myself, it would be really egotistical. And we know that ego is a, is a bad thing. But ego is a bad thing on both sides. It's like liking yourself doesn't make you an egotistical maniac. <laughs> it's like you're not saying you're better than anybody else. You're not saying you're, you know, I'm an amazing person and everybody should want to be like me. But you're just saying, actually, I get to live every day of my life with me. And I'm quite pleased about that. That's enough for me. It doesn't make me better than anybody else, but it makes me happier. Um, and that sense of, I think relief, I think it was relief to, to suddenly not have to wake up every day in a toxic relationship with yourself was such an amazing gift. So do you think that part of being lonely at the top of being a CEO is also having that inner voice supporting you? Yeah, absolutely. Because, because you, I mean, I, I spent a lot of years, I mean, I was massively in the throes of imposter syndrome at the point that I was um, leading the organisation. And you'd have this little voice in your head, like chattering away, you know, you can't do this, they're going to think you're hopeless, you're just a hairdresser, you shouldn't be here. All the time going, I hope that doesn't come out of my mouth, because I need to actually be saying something sensible. And, and then I learned that actually, you can't, you can't always stop that voice it's still going to be there but what you can do is give yourself permission to share your vulnerability without losing your credibility um 
And in doing so, you allow other people to share their vulnerability, which as a leader is really helpful because if they're sharing where they're vulnerable, you can help them, you can support them. But it is about making sure that you don't lose your credibility in doing it. Because if you're too vulnerable, they'll be like, oh, I can't get anything from her. She's hopeless. <laughs> um, but I remember, for example, I did a, I did a keynote speech um, before lockdown. And I stood there and I just had this moment where I like looked out at this room of, of like of people and there was like standing room only. And I just suddenly got, what on earth are you doing here, Kim? <laughs> you can't do this. Um, so I looked at the audience and I said, you know, every fibre of my body right now is telling me to get off this stage and run as fast as I can. And I can't do it for a couple of reasons. One, I don't think I could run very fast in these shoes. And two, my name is plastered all over the brochure. So you're going to know that Kim Adele Platts ran away. So I'd never come back from it. So I can't do that, but I can give myself permission to share with you that that's how I feel. And in doing so, I can hope that the inner voice will shut up long enough for me to actually remember what it is I'm supposed to say to you. And then I got on with my speech and, and I ended up, I had, I had um, 30 odd people queuing to like wait to speak to me at the end. And they said, you know, you stood there in a the bright red dress with bright red lipstick and a massive smile on your face. And we all went, this woman's not got a confidence problem and um, clearly doesn't think anything's an issue. And yet when you stood there and shared that with us, we absolutely knew you meant it. And I was like, yeah, so my, my way to, my hack, my way to confidence, which I've spent years doing is every time I'm doubting myself, I put on a brighter dress, a brighter lipstick and a bigger smile. Because if you act confident, people treat you as if you're confident. And then you can, I guess my, my biggest learn in life is the greatest gift that you can give somebody is to lend them your belief in them. Because if you lend them your belief, they, they can find their own it's what we do with our children as you've already said you know, we encourage them we're like come on I know you can do this I believe in you um, and the same is true as, as adults and I, you know, I've had people do it for me when people give you an opportunity what I now choose to to view it as is they are lending me their belief in me and therefore I'm going to take the opportunity trust their belief and I'm going to prove them right um, but I've also learned that you can do that for other people. And I've had some amazing opportunities. I, I remember one particular one where I was working for, uh, uh, for a company. I ran their sales department and we we're on the last day of the financial year. And we were in a hole, a real hole. It was really fraught. We needed 250,000, I think. We'd only ever done 180,000 on a Friday. Nobody thought it could be done. And I remember going in at the start of the day and doing a shout out to them. And I genuinely believed it. And I said, yeah, if there is any good karma in the world, we are going to achieve because you guys have done everything that we've asked of you. You've cared about the customers. You've not tried to sell to them. You're only trying to match them with solutions. You've, you're turning up, you're keeping going. And you, and you are doing the right thing. So you've got to believe that if there is a team in the world that can do this, it's this team. I believe that. So if you don't believe, borrow my belief, because we are going to have an amazing day. And I probably did the shout out four or five times over the day. By the afternoon, I got the whole exec team down as well. <laughs> it's like brilliant, no pressure. Um, but we didn't just hit the number, we annihilated it. I think we did £320,000 on that day and we had an amazing day. But I had people coming up and hugging uh, like hugging me, putting themselves on the board. And, and they were like, by lunchtime, they'd got their own belief because you'd lent them yours. And it was probably one of my most powerful lessons in life, which is we have it in our gift to do this for everybody every day to see somebody and say do not just trust me you've got this like borrow my belief because you're gonna you're gonna achieve um and then the joy when they do achieve it that you go oh I got to help a little bit in that that was kind of quite nice because we all want to feel good don't we as I listen to you, Kim Adele, I, I sort of always thinking about what the title might be for this particular episode. And I start sort of circling a key sort of phrase or, or a message that you're sharing. And I've got about five or six now. So, <laughs> so but it's, it's just so important. You know, I've gone from uh, sort of, you know, learn to like yourself to trust, uh, lend you the lend your belief. And then now yeah. it's like borrow my relief. And it's, it's, it's written curiosity and kindness and courage. I mean, there's, there's so many different lessons here. And uh, what I'm sort of hearing from you is that 
everything you've experienced, you have taken as, as you said earlier, a lesson or a blessing or both. And, and it is about that sort of curiosity meets courage meets sort of trust in yourself. But you have to, as you said, right at the beginning is you have to like yourself first. And that was probably the biggest lesson. Although I think probably the biggest lesson that I've sort of taken from this is that perming lotion was your biggest friend. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because because otherwise you you wouldn't have had the life that you've had if you wouldn't have, have led that particular life if you hadn't have had that allergy. Oh no, I know. And I think you know you, you look at all of these things and and I think you know on on every one of them and I've had I had that illness and I had a couple of other illnesses and all of them have propelled me to do something different. Um, so it was the second one that got me to write the letter to Scarlett and that really set me on my journey of starting to like myself. Um, and then my journey to, to kind of set my own business up, I ended up in intensive care with double lung pneumonia. Um, and I was like, which was a bit embarrassing because everybody at work had been telling me I was really ill. And I was like, don't be so ridiculous. I'm just old and I'm a single mum and life is a little bit tougher than it used to be. Uh, and it's just a cold. I'm not that weak. So at the point that I had to message them to say, uh, I won't be in tomorrow because I'm in intensive care. Um, it was a little bit awkward. Uh, they were like, yes, yeah, so not the sniffle you've been telling us that. It's like, okay, fair point. My inability to, to kind of acknowledge what, what I needed was, was at its height. But again, it gave me an amazing lesson. So I ended up, I was in intensive care on, on the Sunday. Um, I'd left my little girl with my neighbour. We were about to have Sunday lunch. I mean, this is how ridiculous it was. At the point I was on the phone, <clears throat> thinking I just needed a new inhaler because I'm um, asthmatic. I was carrying a dining room chair. I'd got the phone under my <laughs> under my shoulder. <clears throat> and they were like, we think you've had a heart attack. We're going to send an ambulance. I was like, don't be so ridiculous. <laughs> send me an ambulance. I'll I'll get to the hospital. So I took the chair over to, to my neighbour and I was like, um, I'm going to be late for dinner. I've got to go to A&E. Could, could you do me a favour? Could you look after Scarlett? Um, so I went to A&E. I was like, they're just being melodramatic. You know what NHS director-like. Um, and I got to A&E and I was thinking, oh, they're just going to send me home. And Half an hour later, I was strapped to every machine I've ever seen in my life. I'd got one of those masks that goes all over your face because they didn't even trust the one that went up your nose. <clears throat> and I was like, okay, this is a bit awkward. <laughs> what are you going to do now? Um, and I said to the guys, like, what do I need to do to get out of here? And he said, you don't understand, madam. We're not sure you are getting out of here. And I said, no, you don't understand. I've got a little girl at home who's never done more than one night away from mummy. I'm going to get out of here and you're going to let me. But right now, I need you to take this off so I can ring somebody because I need to get my little girl sorted. So I rang my brother um, and, it, and it sorted Scarlett out. And that was the Sunday. And on the Wednesday morning at 11 o'clock, they discharged me. And the, the specialist said, he said, I don't understand it. I've seen your x-rays and I don't know how you got your body to go from what it was on Sunday to what it is today. And I was like, really, really simple. The only thing I thought about, the only thing I visualized, the only thing I focused on was my little girl's face at the point that I picked her up from nursery. Um, and because of that, that's what happened. And it made me realize that the power of our thinking is vast. What we think about, we achieve. Um, and that's true of things we don't want to happen. If we've thought about them, we've almost created them. And also for the things that we do want to happen. And you can overcome amazing things. So I realized while I was in, in hospital, I was like, I'm doing a job, killing myself to do a job I don't enjoy. Um, and I think I've got something else to give. And I think we've got, I think Pablo Picasso said that the um, meaning of life is to find your gift and the purpose of life is to give it away. Um, and it was like, actually, I think I've got something else I'm supposed to do and I'm not supposed to be doing this. So I came out, I quit my job and I set my business up in a moment of, because that's a clever thing to do, Kim. <laughs> um, but I've thoroughly enjoyed it since and, and been able to do some amazing, amazing opportunities, even like lockdown has been great. I mean, I'm locked in as a single parent with a, with a four-year-old. But during that time, I've co-authored three international best-selling books, launched a couple of podcasts and continued to grow my business. And I think it is just a, a case of learning to stay focused on what you want, not on what you don't want. 
you just threw away casually. I just co-authored three books, just, you know, just launched a couple of podcasts. I know what launching a podcast means. <laughs> I haven't written a book. And so I'm even more sort of holding you in a revered status for that because I, I want to. So just explain what those books are and the podcasts that you have as well. Okay. Uh, so so it is the most random thing. So so uh, two of them I actually have here. So I actually have copies, which is the most bizarre thing. My little girl loves it because my picture's on the back. So just, um, but it came about literally on the first day of, of lockdown, uh, a guy rang me up and was like, uh, you've remote worked for a long time, Kim, haven't you? And I was like, yeah, about 21 years on and off. And he said, we're writing a book to help people that are now having to work remotely. Um, could you write as a chapter? And I was like, oh, I don't know. I mean, pretty much written a shopping list before now so I, I could give it a try and it's like only one problem I, I need you to do it in five days <laughs> like hilarious okay what else am I going to do I'm locked in so so I wrote my I wrote my um my chapter uh, sent it to him I was like if it's no good don't don't worry about it we, we won't go there um and on so that was on day five. On day 10, we published. And by day 12, we were international bestsellers. It had gone to number one in Canada, Australia and the UK. And it was in the top 20 in America. And you're just like, this is really bizarre. <laughs> um, and then somebody got in touch and they were like, we're writing a book about women leading. Would you write a chapter um, for that one for us? And I was like, yeah, okay. Gave me a bit longer. I got a fortnight. Um, so, so I was like, oh, I've got loads, loads of time my hands. Um, so kind of wrote that one. And off the back of, of that one, there was uh, 21 of us. Um, we created a show called The Women Leading Show, where we get guests on from around the world to talk about leading. And it's not just about women. It, there's men in the book as well. It's around saying, actually, how are the different styles of leadership and how do we work together? How do we collaborate better? Um, so that part came around and then uh, I, I got a phone call from the first guy who was like um, we've got another book and, and actually I could really do with you writing me a chapter and I was like okay so any chance this was on a Monday any chance you could do it by Wednesday <laughs> I was like you're hilarious but okay I'll I'll give it a go um, if it's no good don't don't put it in um, and he did. He put, he put it in. So the third book is Pivot and Grow. Um, and that launched two weeks ago and went to the number one in America uh, and also in um, Australia and the UK. So you can't just get this random stuff that's going. I went into lockdown with none of this. and I'm going to exit lockdown as a as a triple international bestseller. And then we've got the women leading. But the other one that we that we've launched is Business Blondes. So I was chatting with uh, a couple of my friends, three of my friends, actually, uh, and we realized that we'd become each other's support network. So every now and again, you know, we'd, we'd get on a call and one of one of us would have a problem, but the other one would always have a solution. And we were joking, saying, Do you know, we should just record this. This might be helpful to people because we've, we've got that advice. Um, and we all happen to be blonde, uh, which has been a bit of a downside to us because people are like, oh, well, I can't come on because I'm not blonde. Because I know like, you don't have to be blonde. <laughs> you don't even have to have hair and you don't have to be female. That's not the point. The point is that the four of us that are there mainly, we are all blonde and we're all in business. So it was the thing that that kind of linked us. But we're now on our, uh, in fact, it's today. We go live every Thursday. Uh, we're on our 11th episode. And we've met some amazing guests who are able to share their stories and hopefully give advice and inspire others. Because I guess for me, one of the things in lockdown that's been a shame is I think it's unfortunate that they chose the term social distancing because we're social animals and we need to stay connected. What we needed to do was physically distance, socially connect. Uh, and I guess that's kind of what we've been trying to do with the books and with the podcasts, which is provide that space for people to stay connected for people to reach out and go oh, it's okay to feel like this because for all those years where I doubted myself belittled myself talked horrendously to myself and, and I still do occasionally but right now I'm much better at going interesting thanks for that view I'm not going to I'm going to choose to ignore it um but for all the years that I was there, one of the probably hardest things was you feel so alone. You feel like nobody else feels like it and that you're wrong to feel like it, which is just another stick to beat yourself with. I mean, I loved my hair shirt, <laughs> followed it with me everywhere. 
And now you kind of look back at your life and go, oh my goodness, there is an element of the fact that I was so wedded to my story, the one that I was telling myself, that even if there were any evidence that I were wrong, I would ignore the evidence. So I spent years, 30 of them, <laughs> telling people, I'm just an, I'm just a hairdresser. I've only got an MVQ in hairdressing. That because that wedded to my story of, of what I felt about myself, my lack of belief my, and my lack of ability. What I never shared with anybody is at the age of 18, I, I don't know if you remember, back then they used to do these competitions where you could complete a competition to see whether or not you could get into Mensa. Um, and I got a certificate saying I could be accepted to Mensa. Um, and I still have it. But I never shared that because it wasn't part of my story. Because my story was I wasn't bright enough because I was a hairdresser and got an MVQ. And when you realise now, looking back, the size of that self-sabotage was massive. And you kind of sit there and think, what a ridiculous thing to do to yourself. And yet I see people doing it to themselves all of the time. Because we love a label. As a human being, we love a label. But the label that we use, we've got to ask ourselves, how well is it serving us? If we think about where we are right now, you could say I'm stuck at home or you could say I'm safe at home. It's one word different, but the impact on your psyche, on how you show up, on your presence is going to be massive. And yet we use labels all of the time. And I think for me, it's been a, it's still a journey. I think, I think life is a journey of discovery. My nan used to say every day is a school day and God bless her, she's right. Because we do, we have to keep learning. We have to keep evolving. We find those bits of ourselves that we don't like and we change them and, and we adapt to them or we learn to love them because the, we're the only person that we've got. And it's not, I guess for me, my biggest lesson was that in being kind to me didn't mean I needed to be unkind to other people. It wasn't a, an either or, you can do both. Um, whereas I'd lived a lot of my life so desperate to be kind to other people that I would do things that I didn't want to do that didn't serve me in the slightest because I was trying to be kind. And actually, you can't pour from an empty cup unless you learn to be kind to yourself. At some point, you will run out of steam. And would you say now that your, your purpose, your why is static or is it evolving? It's definitely evolving. Um, and I think, you know, I keep looking at it. I, my biggest drive is to leave things better than I found them in every situation to try and make an impact. Um, and I guess every day that changes, that what comes up that you're able to try and leave better than you found it, it brings you a new experience. And you're like, oh, maybe I can, maybe I can do this. I remember writing a quote for my, for my little girl, but I believe it to be true for everybody, which is be kind, stay curious, dream big and believe because you are proof that miracles are happen. And we are all proof that miracles happen to somebody. And when we believe that, then there's nothing we can't achieve because we just can keep going. And what's what we need to achieve that will come to us if we just endeavor to leave things better than we found them. And I think I mean, kindness is probably one of my, it is my biggest hot button because I think, you know, it's in all of us to be kind. And if we were all a little bit kinder to each other, imagine the difference that we would make um, because the ripples that that has in, in the world is, is amazing. And I think often we, often as our lack of, our lack of self-esteem, certainly for me, this was the case. My lack of self-esteem meant that even if I thought something kind about somebody, I wouldn't share it because I didn't think they'd want to know. Um, whereas I'm now the crazy lady on the tube that if somebody, uh, you know, I, I had a girl, a girl the other week, or I say the other week, it was before, before lockdown, had amazing hair. Um, so I remember going up to her and just saying, can I just say, your hair looks amazing. And she looked quite shy, to be fair. And she had this massive beam on her face. And she went, thank you, you've just made my day. I went, do you know your hair made my day? I hope, you, I hope the rest of the day is amazing. I would never have had the courage to say that before. But I was like, her hair looked amazing. Somebody should tell her that. <laughs> Maybe nobody else is going to compliment her that day. Put yourself out there and give the compliment. Because you feel good about it. And no one's going to turn around and go, how dare you? <laughs> 
yeah, you'd be nice to me. <laughs> I mean, they may go, you're a little bit crazy, aren't you? <laughs> it's like, this is a tube. We don't talk to people. We look stoically in front. <laughs> Nobody notices us. Um, but actually, I have conversations everywhere I go, on the tube, in, in shops, because I'm interested. And, and I think once you're interested in people, they want to share their story. And just listening to somebody can be such an amazing gift to really listen to them. And you learn something. And then your life's richer as a result. And your story about being on the tube has just reminded me of, of a story of when my kids were little and my son, he must have been around about six or seven. And I remember being in the playground and standing with the other mums. And as, as he came over, as Eddie came over to me, he looked at one of my the other mums and he just said to her, you look amazing. I love your dress. And I just thought, and she she was so f- sort of flabbergasted at the comment. Yeah. And I just thought, you know what? He must hear me saying that to other people and he just sees that as normal. So yeah, it's, it was it was a real, really special moment. And she and the mum just looked at me and said, that was so lovely. She was like, you know, teary because it was just such a lovely thing to say. Yeah. So, yeah, it probably heavily influenced by us watching Strictly all these years as well. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was it was it's definitely I have no problem in paying strangers compliments when, you know, when I when I feel that there's something to say, I will definitely step up and yeah. say that. So I'm with yeah. you on that one. Oh, no, I love it. And I love that your, your son's picked it up as well, because it's so cute, isn't it? When you, you know, when you see them learning because because kids do they learn from what we say and they learn from from what we do and so I look at my little girl now bless her and I do worry about what she'll be like when she's got confidence because she walks up to people (laughs) she doesn't know and she'll be like what's your name mine's Scarlett Platts (laughs) brilliant you're not even four yet um what what are we going to do but she's just got a curiosity and and she will you know she will we, we sit and do we do an appreciation thing so every day we, we spend five, 10 minutes talking about what it is that we appreciate, what we're grateful for. And, you know, I know I'm winning at life if I get to be in the top five. I mean, normally we get, you know, I appreciate lollies. I appreciate brownies. I appreciate more lollies. I'm like, oh, I'm not standing much chance today. <laughs> um, I appreciate my friends. Uh, but she was so sweet last, last night. She appreciated Mr. Moon because Mr. Moon always lights up our life. Um, and you just look at it and go, what, you know, what, and she appreciated nursery and you're like, what a lovely way to live your life, which is to appreciate the things that we have rather than constantly be looking for the things we haven't. Because when we appreciate what we have already got, more comes to us. Well, it's a fantastic philosophy to have. And I have really enjoyed this conversation that we've had together today, Kim Adele. It's been amazing. And I want to say a big thank you to Helen Chorley for bringing us together. That was a lovely act of kindness in itself. She's always oh. she's always got her radar on, on thinking when she's having conversations with people. Oh, Amy, focus on why I must, must connect you. <laughs> Yeah, no, we had, it was funny uh, with, with Helen because we, we had, um, we, we had a brief, we we're supposed to be a brief chat and she's such a lovely lady, isn't she? She's just amazing. Our brief chat ended up being nearly two hours. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> we were like, oh my goodness. It was like, we'd known each other for years. And then she, she put me in touch with you and the same happened. It was that yeah. piece. We had a conversation. It's like, feels like I've known you for years. Chatting to you is like just such a, such a delight. And I'm, so, I'm so thrilled. Uh, so Helen, thank you. Thank you for putting us in touch. And Amy, thank you also for having me on and letting me witter on about my, <laughs> my life and thoughts. Uh, there's going to be a huge amount of value that people will take away from this podcast because I think there's a there's a relatable conversations that we had from so many different levels obviously in business but also being a parent and 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 how that self-talk can be so destructive but once you master it and you you take it as your ally and then you recognize that that person is with you 24 7 you better get on <laughs> yeah absolutely you may as well live your life with somebody you like rather than somebody you don't like was probably the the kind of biggest takeaway and and actually you can make that happen and it's it's tough you've got to go and face the things that you don't want to face you've got to go and you know it's the hardest thing I ever did was have to look at myself in in the eye and know that I didn't like myself Mm. Um, and saying it out loud was like oh my god this is like my biggest secret (laughs) I spent years hoping nobody knows that I'm actually not very nice it's like 
um but but saying but saying that to to yourself looking yourself in the eye and then going do I really mean that do I really think it why do I think that and and actually what could I do to change it so that and you know as a woman you have to I have to look at myself in the eye every day because I have to put my mascara on I've not worked out how to do it yet without (laughs) looking at myself in the eye um so you're like I know I'm gonna have to look at myself again tomorrow because nobody needs to see me without mascara Um, so I want to be able to do that and not recoil in horror. And it took me took me far too long. So I would urge anybody if you're if you're feeling if you're feeling self doubt, if you're feeling like you're unlovable or you're not good enough or you're alone, go and find help. Get somebody who's going to help you see that that's not true that that is just a story that you're telling yourself because I promise you life on the other side is amazing well how would people get in touch with you Kim Adele what's the best way um so I'm on uh all social media as Kim Adele 10 and uh you can also get in touch with me at uh www.kimadel.org Perfect. Well, thank you very much. And you just shared an incredible sort of final moment, but I would just, if you could, have you got any pearls of wisdom just to sort of leave this particular conversation? Yeah. So I would say, you know, the one, the one thing that I probably has really helped me get through to get to everything is we all have somebody that means the world to us. That is the most important person that, that we have such utter trust, faith and respect in. So the next moment that you doubt yourself, ask yourself, if this were that person, whoever it is for you, if it were that person, what would you say to them? And then take that advice. Um, Because that's really what your soul is saying to you. Your soul is in there giving that advice to all of the people around you because it wants you to take it for yourself. So take it. Thank you for listening to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson, and if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five-star Apple podcast review. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook, and become a member of my inspiring, uplifting, and positive Focus on Why Facebook group. I help people to focus on their why with clarity, uniting their passion with their purpose with a plan to create the life they truly desire. If you would like me to help you focus on your why, then please book a free 20-minute coaching call via candidly.com forward slash Amy Rowlandson. And if you haven't already, please sign up for the Friday Focus weekly newsletter via my website, amyrowlandson.com. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.